Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boostbytaxday to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Thursday afternoon, you're watching The Pulse on the Joy News channel. Coming up this afternoon, Finance Minister Ken Oforiata says he's proceeding to disburse taxpayers' money even before the 2024 budget is formally approved by Parliament. We'll tell you why he's making such a move this afternoon. So that means the budget, in my view, has been passed. Um, later, there was a challenge which has not been resolved. So as far as I, I know and I believe, we have the 2024 budget passed. It's more uh, from the finance minister as a showdown is also expected in parliament today with the minority vowing to kick against what they describe as a budget that lacks substance. We'll get all of that for you as proceedings also begin uh, on the 2024 budget and its approval. Meanwhile, Trade Minister Katie Hammond is expected to make yet another attempt at laying the controversial import restriction legislation despite a growing opposition that the policy will breed corruption. Here on The Pulse, uh, we assess the concerns of vehicle dealers here in Ghana as they also are this afternoon joining scores of trades, uh, trade groups and unions fighting the policy measure. We have the latest for you on that. And uh, also in the next 24 hours, uh, the National Farmers Day will be celebrated. Vice President Dr. Mahmoud Rubami, ahead of that uh, exercise, is emphasizing the importance of data and technology-driven agriculture for the country's future. We should not leave agricultural technology and the application of science and data only to the advanced countries. Achieve that and how do we promote innovation within the agricultural sector? There's more coming your way as uh, the Vice President is also commending the 2022 Best Farmer for investing in the agribusiness area and also skills development for the youth. These are more coming away here on the polls. I'm blessed so it's a pleasure being with you here on the show, brought to you by Global Communities Digni Lu, Affordable Safe Sanitation for All, DSTV Channel 421, Go TV Channel 125. You can follow us on Facebook, YouTube, and at myjoyonline.com. Join us as independent, fearless, and credible. Welcome to the polls. We're back shortly.
And thank you for joining us here on The Pulse. So much controversy this afternoon, as Ghana's Finance Minister Ken Ofereta says, he's proceeding to disburse taxpayers' money even before the 2024 budget is approved by Parliament. The country's constitution re reserves that exclusive right uh, for Parliament to approve a finance minister's budget statement and economic policy before he proceeds with expenditure. However, yesterday's debate and approval of the 2024 budget statement turned chaotic, raising divided opinions. But the finance minister uh, is arguing that the Speaker of Parliament has given him the green light. Well, he's been speaking to uh, the uh, press in Parliament yesterday, and of course, uh, Parliamentary Affairs uh, correspondent Kukwasanti, who has been monitoring that exercise, is now giving us a recap of some of the major events leading to today's session, which will still be considering the 2024 budget. This Honorable House approves the budget statement and economic policy of the government for the year ending 31st December 2024. Those in favor say aye. Those against say no. no! Scenes in Parliament today reminiscent of what we saw in the House in 2021 when the NDC minority purported to have rejected the 2022 budget over the Ilevi Bruhaha in controversy in the House. Today again, the NDC MPs wanted to reject the budget and they did a lot of stuff to achieve that. There was an initial voice vote that the Speaker of Parliament adjudged to have been warned by the A's, those who supported the budget, and the minority were on their feet. Listen to Amagufibua challenge that decision of the speaker. It's on order 1132 to call for a hair count to challenge your ruling. So... But even before the Speaker of Parliament will go ahead and conduct that head count, the majority MPs will not agree. According to them, the NDC MPs have completely adopted a process that is alien to the House. It's most unnecessary and should not be entertained by there is nothing before you. We can't proceed to do a head count when there is no primary application challenging the voice vote. Mr. Speaker, I therefore submit that that secondary step that he's urging on you hey, to proceed on is never here nor die, Mr. Speaker. It is as simple as an otios submission, and Mr. Speaker should dismiss him. There was a back and forth over this for nearly an hour before the Speaker determined that he was going to go ahead with the head count. But the Speaker decided that not only was he going to do a head count, he was going to call individual MPs to stand up on their feet in their chairs to be counted. This is where the majority MPs drew the line. Osei Chairman Sabonso led his team to walk out. But of course, not without some hesitations on the floor. There were still some NPP MPs who were seated who really believed that option to walk out was a bad choice. You don't have the floor. If you want to entertain, you don't, you don't have the floor. For a head count, you don't have the floor. You don't have the floor. Head count on their side, since they are challenging. You don't have the floor. You don't have the floor. You don't have the bill. You don't have the floor. You don't have the floor. And we are leaving the chamber for them. Yes, we are leaving the chamber for you. Now do the head count and see whether you have the number. So overturn Mr. Speaker's ruling. The expectation then was that the Speaker of Parliament will continue 
the vote by calling NDC MPs to stand up in their seats to be counted. The Speaker did otherwise, deciding that the House should take a suspension instead. Is that there are five members of the minority who are not here. So all that he's doing is to play for time to enable them to come to the chamber. That is it. That's all that it is. What are the names of those of them who are not there? Honorable Ayarga. Ayarga is not here. Honorable Zanato. Sam George is not here. And Zanato is not here. Ajekum is not here. And Jechikwesin is not here. There are five of them who are not here. All that the speaker is doing is playing for time to enable them to find a way to enter the chamber. What kind of thing is this? Why should a speaker beat such a hasty retreat from what he had said? He said to us that he thought, and I'm quoting him, that I think the eyes have it. That is how speakers make pronouncements and determination. It is this. And that is why we left the chamber for him. That let him do his own thing. Ladies and gentlemen, that is the import of what you have done. Thank well, Finance Minister Ken Furiata says, as far as he is concerned, the 2024 budget has been approved. We are all here. We just, um, the bell is ringing, which means that the chamber is just coming back um, to sit in. Um, but I think we've just witnessed um, a situation where the uh, minority leader gave their closing statements, majority also did, uh, and then I had some concluding remarks. Put it to vote um, twice, actually, um, and um, he declared that he thinks that the eyes have it. So that means the budget, in my view, has been passed. Um, later, there was a challenge which has not been resolved. So as far as I, I know and I believe, we have the 2024 budget passed until such time as they resolve whatever they want to resolve. The minority say that is not true and that the budget has not been decided on. And as far as they are concerned, another day will come on the floor where a vote will be taken on this budget. Today, the MPP has been defeated. Yes. The MPP has been defeated in a grand style. Comprehensively. In fact, this is the second time this MPP has run away from their own budget. Second time in the history of Ghana. Sensing defeat. We have got them and we'll get them again another day. The fact remains that the MPP does not have the numbers to approve their own budget. That when the speaker makes a pronouncement and a ruling, they can only challenge that through a substantive motion. And under 98, it's clear on, on the matter. So as we speak, the budget has not been approved. It's just about three weeks for Parliament to go on its December break. And what we've seen today is a foreshadowing of what is going to happen in the next three weeks. There's going to be a lot of back and forth, a lot of fights over a lot of things because of the level of mistrust that exists among the individual MPs. The majority say the Speaker of Parliament today acted in a way that abused the standing orders and wanted to favor the NDC minority over that. But that is not something that the minority agree with. We'll continue to monitor scenes in the House as this minority challenge of the budget continue to hang. Reporting for Joy News, Kwiku Asante,
Parliament House, Accra. Uh, and in fact, Kukwa Santi remains uh, in the house for us. Uh, we can give you live pictures of what's happening in Parliament as we speak. Uh, the Speaker of Parliament now seating in the chamber, the minority leader there, uh, making uh, some initial remarks. As we know it, the, the business of the day, the order paper indicating clearly that the budget, the 2024 budget, will now have to be approved. Uh, we'll be crossing you over shortly just to get the arguments uh, going on the floor of uh, the House. But uh, it's also a good time to tell you about who's joining uh, you know, our conversation uh, this uh, afternoon, helping us uh, with the majority uh, position on this matter. Joining us is uh, Mohammed uh, Amin Adam, Minister of State. Uh, at the Ministry of Finance, also um, watching together live with us. I believe he's also uh, joining the debates uh, subsequently. But thank you so much, sir, for spending some time with us here on The Pulse. Uh, uh, first of all, your initial uh, reaction to what is happening in Parliament today, laid before the House uh, and on the order paper, is the fact that the 2024 budget uh, will now be considered by the House. You are right behind... Uh, the finance minister yesterday when he made a pronouncement that in his view the 2024 budget has been approved. How do we reconcile that? Uh, and kindly unmute for us sir, so we can get the points you're sharing with us. Uh, Doc, we seem to be having a challenge with your uh, Zoom connection. If you could kindly unmute um, so we can hear the, the point you're, you're sharing with us. Okay. So uh, I'm saying that I'm really surprised that the paper uh, has list approval of the budget. I'm really surprised because the budget was approved yesterday. It was approved yesterday. The speaker ruled that he thought the eyes had it. And the eyes were those who were in favor of the approval of the budget. This ruling has not been overturned. And therefore, as far as we are concerned, the budget has been approved. Uh, when, you, when, when, you make, when you make the statement, uh, you were you then faced uh, with your uh, parliamentary uh, procedures and standing orders as to what they say about you know, a consideration of such a nature. Anytime you know, the speaker's ruling is challenged, there's uh, clearly going to be a division. That, that's what's applying here, isn't it? But I'm sure you heard the speaker himself saying that he did not give a ruling, that he gave an opinion. So if it is an opinion, what ruling was challenged by the minority? He gave an opinion and not a ruling. So what was challenged by the minority? Was it a ruling? And so this is why we are saying that the speaker's ruling was not challenged. The minority called for a head count. But they had to challenge the speaker's ruling first through proper application. Okay? And when that is settled, then they ask for a headcount. That did not happen. Uh, th that has been sustained by the speaker. And in fact, the speaker is making uh, his pronouncements on that uh, as we speak. Uh, we can listen briefly to him. And then let me get your response to what his ruling and it is about to be right now, as we're seeing live pictures now from Parliament, uh, the Speaker making a pronouncement. It's before the House. It's not hanging. Nobody has hanged it on any tree or any pool. Or... 
is still before the house. It's not, it's not a matter that speakers should be seen or heard debating in public because it's still before the house and the final decision will be taken most likely next week. We have, as noted by all of you, done a lot of work on the review of the standing orders. And that one too, we'll do all we can to place it before you next week. This issue about opinion, ruling, decision, and all those things have been resolved in the new standing orders that will come before you. And so it will stop all this. But the practice before I became speaker, and even during the course of my speakership, is that when you are to take a voice vote, listening to the voices from both sides of the house, sometimes it's difficult to decide firmly that either the eyes have it or the nose have it. And so there is an opportunity granted in the standing orders for the speaker to express an opinion. And usually it is said, I think the nose have it, or I think the eyes have it. The practice is that that is give opportunity if somebody is doubtful of the thinking of the speaker to raise a challenge. That is the practice throughout. And that was what happened yesterday, and the challenge was raised. And so the next process was for us to do a head count. We have gone through this a number of times. And so that was what happened yesterday. It is during the course of the head count that we encountered a challenge. And some members, some members of the majority side walked out. Some members were still present, but there was a lot of meetings, and some were standing and talking, and therefore there was disorder. And by our rules, when there's a disorder, the only thing open to the speaker is to suspend sitting. And that was what I did yesterday. Then after that, we resumed. And when we resumed, the house was still not in order. And so the best thing is to adjourn, which I did. So I followed meticulously the rules of the house. For members and observers to go out and misinform the public, and for them to run at Parliament and the Speaker, that one, I leave it to them and their gods. So, for me, I'll do what I believe is right to the best of my knowledge and ability. And so, this week, we'll try and do everything. But we have a saying, and I'm sure you all know this saying. Oh, you don't want to hear my saying. Yes, deputy minority leader, you don't want to hear minority whip. Speaker, when you finish.
we say that the mouth of the old man smells. But what comes out from that mouth doesn't smell. It's wisdom. This one is food for thought. So please, oh, with all due reference to ABA, Fuseni, Honorable. Oh, you are here. He's our professor. Yes. So please, may I hear you now? Thank you, Mr. Speaker. So, Speaker, you made this clarity yesterday, and the public has been misinformed that the budget was approved. So, it's good you have stated that there was no decision, and you have directed that the business committee should reschedule the budget statement and economic policy for a decision to be taken next week. The Speaker, for emphasis, I have been here four times now. Mr. Speaker, you've trained me. I had the opportunity to learn under you. And Mr. Speaker, our rules are not that ambiguous. And when you quoted Order 11302 and stated that you put the question first, you were not clear, you put it the second time, you were still in doubt. You said, I think the eyes have it. The speaker, the majority leader is a man of grammar. I think the eyes have it. This morning, my daughter, who had just completed Wesley Girls, told me, Daddy, I think the eyes have it means that you are not sure. <laughs> she had just completed Wesley, Wesley Girls. Yes, my daughter, she's in my office right now. And the speaker, this is a statement of fact. Daddy, I think the eyes have it means that you are not sure. And the speaker, it's for very good reasons that speakers upon speakers have been putting the question that way. I think the eyes have it. That's your opinion. If, then you check, if nobody is on his feet, you go ahead, the eyes have it. That is declaration, and that is ruling. The speaker, even sometimes some speakers go ahead and put the government one to the eyes of the budget statement economic policy is hereby approved. We didn't see that yesterday. Members, some senior members have been here four times, five times, six times. They were still confused. Because how can you be confused by this? It has happened and happened and happened. There was no declaration of results. We were in the process. So even if you go to today's other paper, the table office has programmed 
the, business, the budget statement economic policy for 2024 for a decision to be taken today. Unfortunately, Mr. Speaker, it's motion number 10. Unfortunately, my colleagues on the other side are not here. They are playing a football game with no goalkeeper, no defenders, no wings, only three at a time, normally seven, eight, nine, eight, ten. Yeah, because for the second time, they've run away. I think, as members of the leadership, the speaker, we must take the rules of procedure serious. And the speaker, some lawyers are sometimes misled. The rule parliament is a house of rules and procedure. It's technically different from court rules. When you go to court and there's ruling, and you appeal the ruling, it means the first decision stands until the ruling appeal is heard. That is different from parliament. The speaker, when you went ahead and quoted on the 98, that my opinion had been challenged in order 11302. If I had gone ahead to rule, and you wanted to challenge my ruling, that way you would have come with order 98, because the ruling of the chair is not subject to debate, except upon a, by substantive motion. You stated all these things here, and that found it very difficult to believe that people were so confused. So, Mr. Speaker, what the table office has done is the right thing. Even some lawyers in, and members outside are finding problems in accepting what happened. But, but, Mr. Speaker, where we are, Ghana is not standing well. There are critical decisions that people are looking up to us. And if you look at the numbers here, we in NDC believe that the people of Ghana are looking up to Parliament to take a decision and to give direction upon where Ghana should go for addressing our economic issues. As you can, we accept that we are in opposition. Look at the numbers here. Where are they? The people of Ghana have given you majority, and you have turned into minority in the chamber. Mr. Speaker, governance is not for joke. If you want to rule, you must be serious. People's destiny is in your hands. You can't take it for granted. And it's not a matter of technicalities. It's a matter of rules and procedure. Mr. Speaker, this is the book of rules and procedure. Everything is clear here. So, Mr. Speaker, we came today to take a decision on the budget. Today, too, they've run away. Mr. Speaker, looking at the numbers here, even though you have indicated that the business committee should settle it for its decision to be taken next week, Mr. Speaker, we have barely three or four weeks to go on recess. Mr. Speaker, I think once it has been programmed and the members are here, the leader of the House is here, Mr. Speaker, we have the numbers to go ahead. <laughs> we have the numbers to go ahead. And we are ready to help them. Because time is not on our side. As I speak to you, Speaker, if you listen to the minority leader rendition yesterday, Ghana, we are in crisis. Speaker, we are in a seat. And you can't be in a seat and be joking. We must assist the Speaker for us to address the issues. So, Mr. Speaker, Mr. Speaker, clearly speaking, Mr. Speaker, 
clearly speaking, the Speaker, as leadership of the House, we must account for our members to come and do business in the House. The Speaker, we have time, we've been voted for, and we are voted for to come and do business on behalf of Ghanaians. And that is why we have come. The Speaker, today is today, and the decision must be taken. You want the decision to be taken, the decision is on the other people, other people and it must be taken today. We are ready for the decision today. And the decision must be taken now, 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 now. Honourable members, honourable members. Well, I will listen to the majority leader, but I hope, I hope and pray that your submission is not to debate the decision and directive of the speaker. Yes. The speaker, is that advice to me? Is that advice to me? I just want to take a cue. Is that advice that you are proffering to me? I was to the deputy minority whip. What he said, I'm saying that I hope and pray that what he said is not to debate the directive of the speaker on this matter. Well, as he himself quoted, I've stated clearly my position and given a directive. So that is not subject to debate. And that's what I just drew his attention to. But I, because... The speaker is just an appeal. I don't qualify to challenge your decision at all. Yes, and that is why I call on the majority leader where you made statements definitely beyond the perimeter of this house into what we are considered to do, the highest political platform for national debate. And so I'm allowing the majority leader to also have a word. Speaker, the Speaker, first of all, for the record, when we stepped out, we did not misinform the public. We related to the truth as happened in this house. We related to the truth as happened in this house. The speaker, so we have not misinformed the public. What we spoke to is captured right here in the votes and proceedings that the question on whether or not the motion for the approval of the budget statement and economic policy should be done by this House was done and the eyes had it. That's because that is what is here. And nobody, nobody here has challenged that, that the question was put and in the period of the chair, the motion was agreed to. The Speaker, as I've said, subsequently, Subsequently, a head count was sought by the deputy minority leader. The speaker, it is that head count, that application, that is still not dispensed with. 
That hair count has not been dispensed with. It should not be confused under any circumstances. Anybody who knows parliamentary practice, it should not be confused under any circumstances that the Speaker has not said that the eyes have it. Mr. Speaker, Mr. Speaker, and then when you say that the eyes have it and people are making issue about it, Mr. Speaker, the eyes have it is a term of art in any parliament and it's a tragedy for people who don't even appreciate this. It's a tragedy on the part of people who don't even appreciate it. Mr. Speaker, now we refer to Order 98. Mr. Speaker, we, we raised preliminary issues. The deputy minority leader who came and sought a head count came on the, on the premise that he was challenging the ruling of the speaker. The speaker, that is what he said. And that is what engendered the preliminary issue that I raised. That what he was doing was an abuse of the processes because the moment he said that he was challenging the ruling of the speaker, then he ought to have come by emotion. Mr. Speaker, go to the records. Go to the records. Play the audio visual. That is what he said, that he was challenging the ruling of the speaker. The speaker so that is why we raised those preliminary issues. I don't think that, I don't think that, now we are correcting votes and proceedings. And I don't think that we should be going into this. And my colleagues are leading us on that path. And if you have to go on that path, the truth will be told here. Mr. Speaker, so that is what occasioned the preliminary issues that we have raised. I'm happy that you have said that um, you have given that directive. Speaker, it is not to question it. What is captured as item 10 on the motion, on the other paper for today, states that this honorable house approved the budget statement and the place of for the year, 20, uh, year and the first December 2024. Head count to be taken. As you got the issue of the voice vote has been dispensed with, you have pronounced on it, and it's been challenged. And a head count is being sought. That's what has been advertised here. It has nothing to do with the, with the voice vote. That's what has been declared. Mr. Speaker, if a ruling is given by a court and you appeal, to the extent that the appeal is not dispensed with, the ruling stands. That is what people should understand. That is what people should understand. If you don't understand, that is your problem. Mr. Speaker, as I was saying, I thought we were dealing with the votes and proceedings. I thought we were dealing with the votes and proceedings. So when colleagues rose and were sidetracking, I thought we were going to rein them in and bring them back. But that is what it is. And the speaker, I think we'll go by your directive that um, on the 5th or 6th, 7th, that we'll do what is required of this house to be done. Yes, speaker, I thank you very much. Honorable members, let's, let's move on. Let's move on. I, every speaker, depends a lot on the guidance of leadership. And because of the nature of this parliament, a hung parliament, I place a lot of premium on pre-sitting meetings. 
pre-sitting meetings with leadership. Honorable members, this is what happens on a daily basis. Members come into this house, listen to what they want to hear. Even sometimes, when it's not said, they still hear it. Members come to see what they want to see. Even when it doesn't exist, they see it. And so when they go out, they say what they want to hear and tell people what they've seen. This is what happens here. Before we always come in, every morning we have pre-sitting meetings in my lobby. And we go through the business of that day. How are we going to handle the business? Where we disagree, we go through how we iron out in detail the disagreement. We did that in respect of this item. And we all knew what was going to be played out. That is what we do. And that is what guides the speaker. And that is what I followed yesterday to the letter. We knew that there will be both sides with numbers. And therefore, it will be difficult for a speaker to tell, particularly when people yell, as to which side have the numbers more than the other. And so we all agree that I will use the same term that we all use, I think, whether the nose have it or the eyes have it. Then opportunity is created for someone to challenge my thinking. We went through all this in the pre-sitting meeting. And therefore, there will be a head count. We went through all that. And that was what played out yesterday. How can speaker be blamed for going through what we agreed upon? Please, when you attack the speaker, you are attacking parliament. Because you are not attacking Honorable Alban Sumana Kingsford Bagwin. Because Honorable Alban Sumana Kingsford Bagwin has made it. If not, I would have been seated here as speaker. So the legacy is there. But we need to build this house. And I keep on telling you, this is a house of might and majesty. Might because of its influence. Its influence what we do as a house affects all Ghanaians and it has effect globally. And so we need some respect, we need some dignity. That is why when you go to the court, there's a code of conduct there. You just don't behave anyhow in a court of law. If not, you undermine the power of the rule of law. And so please, let's accord this house the same respect. If you yourself don't do it, how would the people you represent do the same? They will follow your examples. Because it's leadership by example. 
So I was really surprised, and I didn't want to go this far. But because you are playing it out again on the floor, I'm compared to let people know that all what happened here, all what I followed, we agreed before we came into the house. With this, we move on. Page 13. Honorable members, we are still at the vote and proceedings. Page 13, yes. Mr. Speaker, I'm grateful. Mr. Speaker, on page 13, uh, even before I come to that, Mr. Speaker, I'm a little bit worried this afternoon. When I came, and I didn't see my colleagues. I'll come to that. Both, both yes, yes, yes. Start with that. Start yes. with that. I'll, I'll come to that. No, no, no. Start with that. Okay, start. Okay. 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 Uh, on page 13, paragraph 3, you have some members of the majority group walk out of the chamber. I hope you give me time to bring my second uh, concern. Now, I think that the readings should be majority members of the majority group. Well, so what you see now uh, on the screens are, uh, in fact, live pictures that we're bringing you from Parliament to the debate on there. Uh, and it appears to be settled in terms of the divided opinion on whether or not the 2024 uh, budget and economic policy statement of the finance minister has been approved. Uh, the speaker now explaining what the status of that document is. It has not been approved as the finance minister is suggesting and decision, a final one, will be made next week as uh, that clear uh, directive from the speaker is. But this is beginning to, you know, stoke the debate as, as to the kind of reforms parliament will need going forward in terms of its standing orders and uh, in terms of the grey areas where we need to iron out and try and get some uh, education on what the process uh, should be. And that's why I'm fortunate to be joining the studio now by... Uh, a former member of parliament, also former member of the Legal Affairs uh, Committee in Parliament, uh, the Honorable Inusa Fuseni, who's uh, joining us in studio now. Thank you. And we're grateful that uh, in spite of your busy schedule, you're here. Uh, th this, this is, uh, of course, a nostalgic feeling for you, knowing that you've been in the House when, when things get heated. And, of course, uh, there's confusion about what your own standing orders uh, say about votes and proceedings. But let me take your thought, first of all, on what we experienced yesterday, the majority giving their side of uh, what they think the Speaker's directive is, and the minority also saying the budget has not been passed. Was, was that avoidable? Well, that was clearly avoidable. Uh, but let me say uh, good afternoon to you. Quite a, some, quite a long time. Yeah, indeed. Now, that was quite avo avoidable. And, and it was avoidable because uh, everybody knew that uh, the budget which is the government policy and appropriation bill had been presented to Parliament. The policy underpinning the appropriations was to be debated and then and passed. Now we know that on, in passing that policy, you have to put it to a vote. And that normally is done by a voice vote. Now, under Order 113, I mean, where the 
a member of the of the house yeah. feels that the voice vote the speaker's opinion does not adequately reflect the voice vote the member is enjoined under article 11 I mean order 1132 right to to challenge the ruling was there really a challenge yesterday there was a challenge hmm. immediately and and somebody was raising a technical yes which didn't exist the, the speaker says I think the eyes have it. I think it's an opinion, and so you challenge the opinion of the speaker. Now, and that's an inbuilt mechanism in parliamentary practice. That look, uh, the speaker can get it wrong, and sometimes gets gets it wrong. Mm. I mean, and moreover, uh, it's a check on a capricious uh, speaker. Uh, normally, the speaker of parliament comes from the ruling party. Now, the numbers in the parliament might not adequately reflect the strength of the virus caucuses. Right. Now, where you have a, a speaker coming from a, a ruling government, the speaker can decide that his hearing is that the, uh, the voice vote mm -hmm. is in favor of, yeah. the, of the majority, where, in fact, the numbers... It could be f to the minority. So even when on play side, the members do not support mm. that decision. Now, that is why the speaker, when a voice vote is, is, is carried out, first says, I think the yes have it. I think the yes have it. Then he says, the yes have it. Right. Yes, the yes have it. Then okay. the gavel goes, and then we know it's, it's, it's now done. done. Right. Now, why do you think the speaker engages in that activity, and emotions? Right. One, he says, I think the yes have it. And stops. Mm -hmm. you give opportunity for any member of parliament who thinks that the opinion is wrong. To, to challenge to that. Challenge. It, but it, the question is, is that grounded in the standing orders? Or yeah. it's not clearly stated? It's clearly stated. Right. Uh, Still within the 1332 you're referring two, to? Yes. Right. Immediately you invoke mm -hmm. 1332, which is a challenge to the opinion of the, of the, of the speaker right. in the first vote. You don't need to say, I challenge the decision. Immediately you say, I invoke order 1132. But the 1132 is challenge to the, to the speaker's opinion. Right. And so you don't need to say that that's the challenge. It's, it's there in the, in the order. Uh, the, the finance minister says his opinion is that he's been given the green light by the Speaker of Parliament. Uh, do you feel his statements were contemptuous of Parliament? And, and what's going to be the implication now, knowing that he has a different opinion about what transpired yesterday? Well, what's the caution to him now, knowing that the Speaker is giving a directive? First of all, he's not a member of parliament, so you can excuse him. You can excuse his ignorance of parliamentary practice. Now, when the, the speaker, when the process or the motions are gone through, the speaker makes a definitive pronouncement. Mind you, that is an act of parliament. So he says, the speaker will say, after I think the yes have it. Have it. I think the yes have it. Yes, the yes have it. The social and social budget has been read and passed. That should have been the final statement. Then the government goes. Right. Then it's sealed. Now, when that happens and you want to challenge the speaker's decision, you must do it by a substantive motion. Okay? Mm. That is under order 50 of the starting orders. Right. But until that is done, it's still the process. And you can rise to your feet to challenge the speaker. Now, I think that the majority knew what they were doing. As a former member of parliament, I think they knew what they were doing. 
They clearly did not have. Oh, you feel so? <laughs> they, they are rather accusing <laughs> the minority of not having the numbers. No, no, no. They don't mm. have the numbers. Right. You see, if they had stayed and a head count had been conducted and the budget had been rejected, that would, be, that would have been a rejection. Which would so mean you, that they would have to start the process again, all, all, over, all over again. Mm. So if you are not sure, the best way is to walk out. Create that difficulty and repair it when you have the numbers. That was a smart move. And the strategy worked for them. Yeah, that, I, mean, I mean, Parliament is not just debating, talking, and looking right. at the standard orders. This is our strategy. And I think that that was a strategy. They clearly did not have the numbers. And they knew they didn't have the numbers. Because why would anybody walk away from his own budget? When it happened in the month's time, where the budget was rejected, that is the very reason that informs the presence of Article 78.1 in our Constitution, which now mandates the president to choose a majority of his ministers from parliament. So the members of parliament will have a duty, an abiding duty, mm-hmm. because they are part of the executive, right. to support government's budget. Under the Third Republican Constitution, mm-hmm. we had a strict separation of powers, right. and members of parliament were not, could not be ministers. Right. Okay? And so when President uh, Liman introduced a budget, and that budget was rejected by his own members of parliament, there was nothing he could do. And there was no obligation on the part of members of parliament to support the executive's budget. They saw that as the executive's budget. Now, the members of parliament in this uh, fourth Republican dispensation, are, some of them are also members of the executive. So where will members of parliament walk away from their own? That's an interesting question you're asking, and people are beginning to draw remote uh, connections about disaffection, perhaps for the finance minister, knowing that there are some even within their ranks who want him out of office still. That matter is not settled. So let's get to it. Uh, even before we talk about the reforms, possibly that should happen to you know the standing orders in the House. Do you feel that and suspect that possibly that might be the challenge in fighting within the NPP dissatisfaction on the part of some of the MPs who simply feel that the e- economy is not being properly managed by the finance minister? Well, for that, it, it's not beyond debate, not so. Ninety members of the majority members of parliament voted to pass a, no, a vote of no confidence in the finance minister. And by extension... They pass a, no, a vote of no confidence in the decision of the president to continue to maintain the finance minister in, in office. Under a strict parliamentary system of government, the government would have, would have collapsed. But fortunately, we are pre, uh, practicing a, a fusion right. okay, of the parliamentary and presidential systems of government. And because the president derives his authority directly from the, from the people, a, 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 a vote of no confidence in the pre- president does not work automatically to collapse the government. But that clearly was a vote of no confidence. And why did, they, why did they pass a vote of no confidence in the finance minister? They had said that the policies being pursued by the finance minister is leading to hardships in their constituencies. And there was the fear and present danger that if the finance minister continued in office, mm-hmm. they risk losing their seats. Because there will be so much disaffection in their constituencies that the voters will turn against them. Mm. And so to save their seats, they were saying the president must relieve the finance minister of that job. And so... And so you suspect that's possibly that's what's, possible. what's happening. It's, it's mm. one, one, one second. And secondly, the budget itself, 
from the uh, probably what we say are biased, mm -hmm. but, right. but but the budget itself is an IMF driven budget. And so it has to fall in tandem with the IMF prescriptions that we are currently going through. So that makes the budget very empty because it's an austere budget. You are not going to get resources to spend. Mm. Okay? Mm. You are going to impose taxes. Okay? And so because of that, it hashes my, my increase. So people, and you saw that on the floor of parliament, at many or various times during the debate, you didn't see a lot of the majority members of parliament when they were out there minding their own business. Yeah. They sought to explain that away by saying that a list had been presented to the mm. speaker for, of those who were we'll going to speak. Debate and all that. Yes. All that, yes. Mm. And so part of the problems confronting the current budget is a, a, a deepened lack of confidence mm -hmm. in the prescriptions contained in the budget. Your side, and formerly you were on that side, I mean the minority, uh, they have been accused of, uh, of course, pretending not to know the situation in which we find ourselves as a nation. And um, this is an austere budget, as you're pointing to, and yet they're still holding government to answer. Was no, that not a, a needless, perhaps, debate see, yesterday? Just pass the budget because you know times are not no, too no, well no, for no, us, no, indeed. No, 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 we are uh, uh, members of the minority have a responsibility to account to their people. Mm. I mean, democracy is all about accountability. And you and I and Ghanaians must, must engage in honest conversation. You see, gov governance is about trust. And so uh, when you are given the opportunity and mandate to rule, uh, you must take the, the mandate seriously. You must take the office seriously. Now, if your activities lead to a collapse of the economy, uh, you must take responsibility. Leadership is about taking responsibility. Now, insofar as government continues to hide under other exigenous circumstances factors, yeah. or factors to explain away the difficulties in which we are, you will find that manifest in parliament because the minority will come to, to state and forcefully that it's not any exigenous factors that are causing the problems. But the old, the 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 old style of government, the recklessness, the mismanagement that has led us to where we are, and so this is why the conversation is not ending, because government has not engaged in an honest, I mean, account mm -hmm. of what has led us to where we are today. And that's not because we have a fault. Wendy's peppermint frosty and frosty cream cold brew make the perfect gift for anyone in your life, especially for you. Yeah, this year you're sitting on your own lap and getting yourself what you want. Finally. And now every day this season, unlock 20% off your total when you get any small, medium, or large Frosty in the Wendy's app. So order something from your own wish list this year. Limited time only. Participating U.S. Wendy's without offer and registration. Applies to menu items only. Taxes and fees excluded. The minority, as, as we should put it. No, no, the minority's role in parliament is to ensure that what government will not tell the people, the minority will do so. So the government will not tell it the people that, well, infl inflation went to 54.1% because we had to engage the central bank to print currency. That your purchasing power diminished because more money was in the system because of our gold for oil 10, and so it affected your purchasing power. That, look, 
uh, we, the central bank made a loss. And this loss was because of A, B, C, D that they were doing. And so, that yes, uh, even the gold for oil, this is what we are doing. Print money and go, to go and buy gold for the purposes of engaging in butter. Yes, that the Auditor General support is not, any, it's not a final report because it appears that just about one third or so of the resources earmarked to fight COVID was used to fight COVID. Right. That we have, the government has taken all the resources that were in our uh, stabilization fund and the GIF for the purposes of shoring up the management of the economy and all those things. And that has le- le- left, us, left us vulnerable. So you see, clearly, the minority will see those things. Mm. The majority will never see those things. Anyway, uh, let's look at the way forward, uh, because the Speaker of Parliament is just signaling to us that uh, there, there might be some reforms in the standing orders. Uh, you're quite vexed in this area, uh, and, and possibly the reason for which that might be is because of what happened yesterday, confusion over uh, what a Speaker's opinion should be and, and what the ruling is. If, if there are reforms that must be indeed considered, uh, where do you feel that the House should be starting from? Well, so there have been reforms. Just like people are clamoring for... Uh, the constitutional amendments. The standard orders has the same age mm. with the constitution. Mm. Oh, it's as old as, uh, as, as, as the constitution. As the constitution. Yes. Okay. Yes. Right. And so, so uh, people are thinking they haven't worked the standard orders for 30 years, mm. uh, just like the constitution. There are things. Do that, you support that? That indeed. I think, this is I, think the time. that I was a member of the standing orders committee. We had worked on the new standing orders. We had worked completely. Completely. Right. And then, uh, with many new innovative provisions. Uh, to address some of these problems. Now, why we couldn't pass same in 2020 was that one, Article 11 of the Constitution makes that a subsidiary legislation. And so, what do we do? Do we lay it before Parliament for 21 days? At the time that we were considering the standing orders, mm. we didn't have 21 sitting days in Parliament. Do we pass it by resolution? If you pass the standing orders by resolution of Parliament, you can amend it by resolution of Parliament. And you want the amendment of the uh, standard orders to be that difficult, saying so that, I mean, there can be certainty and predictability that this is what we will do and, in these circumstances. It's confirmed. It's yeah, confirmed. Yeah, right. mm. And so that was why we did, not, we did not pass the standard orders in the last parliament. Now, and you know that parliament, a previous parliament cannot bind a succeeding parliament. And so they have to go through the process. And the, the constitution says that where a bill is before parliament, uh, and the life of parliament ends, the bill lapses. Yeah. And so that work done with it, non lapses. You have to take it up again mm-hmm. and work on it. So, so since you're, of course, having that foreknowledge of what this document contains, well, what are some of the key changes you did then? Uh, and if that's what the speaker is now going by uh, to work with, what are some of the likely changes we, we might see you know, as part of the standing orders? Now, many things have happened since right. mm-hmm. <laughs> One, the, the standard order says that a, a, a presiding speaker, mm-hmm. deputy speaker, cannot vote. The Supreme Court now says that a presiding deputy yes. speaker can vote. Can, yes. that, was, that did not I mean, agitate our minds. We had, we had thought that we should maintain that status quo because of the sanctity of the office of speaker. Now, a new standard order will have to make provision for that, that a deputy speaker can vote. Now, the, we also, I mean... Uh, uh, brought into being in the new standing orders a day we will call the backbenchers day where you allow backbenchers most of the times experienced uh, legislators mm. 
pick the floor and they, they take the shine. They take the shine. <laughs> Don't be diplomatic about it. They, you take the shine. So you are the only one speaking. Those behind for three, four times, they will not be able to. I mean, people do not hear of him. Yeah. So create a situation where the backbenchers will force to speak. They take they, they have a day. And then they do everything. I mean, that they, they will they'll be in charge of parliament, debating and all those things, so that you can bring them up. That look, the, uh, when a question is filed, when can it be answered? Th- that's a very crucial one, because yes. sometimes the ministers are very dismissive about it. You invite them, they tell you they're on a travel or something else. Yeah, so you file a question, mm-hmm. they will provide timelines. When the question is filed and received by the speaker, uh, it's transmitted to the office of the clerk. Between, uh, I mean, you have a time limit within yeah. which you should move from the, speak, the speaker's office to the clerk's office, and the clerk to send it to the minister. The minister has a number of days to respond. And when the minister responds, it has a number of days to get onto the other paper, okay. and the minister must come in and respond. I see. Yes. Impressive work you've yes, done. Yes, there. yes, we did a lot of work. Yeah. Uh, let, let's round off by looking at you know the way forward in building consensus. Th- this will be the final lap, and I mean January from January next year will be the final lap of uh, this very parliament that we're uh, you know looking at. It's been a very highly divisive house, uh, knowing that it's a hung parliament, right? So possibly that's why uh, we're having such such um, uh, tension always on the on the rise uh, anytime matters come up on the floor of the house. But what do we do? going forward uh, in terms of picking up lessons and improving much more on our parliamentary democracy. Are there some lessons that we're picking up from this kind of a parliament? And, and what, what should we be looking the, at? The, 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 there are many lessons. <laughs> First of all, uh, for all of us who are electors, we know that uh, uh, dividing parliament between the majority and the minority does not always play out well. I mean, I have said on this your platform that in coalition governments or in governments where there's no clear-cut majority, those governments are weak because where a junior coalition member decides not to, to subscribe to a policy or support a policy of government, yeah. then the coalition collapses. Right, yeah. So naturally, where you have such a parliament, it becomes weak. Uh, secondly, where the, in our presidential system of government, where you have equality in numbers of parliament, that can lead to many, many things, including trading. Yeah. People can negotiate their positions yes, yes. Uh, because government wants its policy to go. Uh, the, some people will put obstacles. Uh, opposing it, yes. Government will have to come and engage them. Mm. So that can lead to all kinds of things. So for all of us electorates, we must understand that it's always put, good to put the balance of power mm. on one side. Mm. In parliament. Yeah. Now, that does that's, that's two things. You are able to hold government accountable. They so, say, okay, you had all the opportunity. We gave you the people of Ghana gave you overwhelming majority in parliament. Uh, you could bring in any policy. And, and so, having been, having been given such a number of MPs, when your policy fails, you have to admit responsibility. I see. But this time, the, the government can say, well, well we, don't, we don't care where they are. They just bulldoze their way through. Uh, Alachi Inusa Fusaini, you're, you're not just the former member of parliament. You're, you're a known member of the NDC. Uh, and some uh, pollings are already uh, out. Uh, people giving the anal- analytics of what might happen in the next uh, election. Uh, I'm sure you saw the rankings by Global Info Analytics for uh, the Zongo and inner city communities, where the projection is that John Dramani Mahama, your candidate, appears to be 
gaining some, you know, much more following as compared to Vice President Dr. Mahmoud Obamia. We have Alan following through and then the rest is spread for the other candidates making their intentions to run uh, the 2024 election. Uh, is that a uh, good omen for, for you or you say this is predictable? Well, this is good um, omen. I mean, uh, it's good omen because Paomia uh, uh, had gone to the electorates, uh, particularly the MPP, and campaigned on three grounds. <laughs> One, that he's a Muslim. And, and so if uh, he selected flag bearer, he can bring the Muslim community on board. Yes. Two, the Zongo, community. Zongo communities fear, I mean, they all like him. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, and the Zongo, Zongo communities are the 17th region. Or, okay, region, right. Yes, yes 17th right. region mm-hmm. of, of Ghana. And so, in electoral distance, yes. uh, so 17th, uh, in electoral politics, you have to treat them as a separate right. So, uh, constituency. So, uh, he said he could bring the Zongos along. And, and thirdly, uh, that NDC as a party, yes, he bought me mm-hmm. Precisely because of the uh, Zengo communities and the uh, northern factor. Yeah, right. So a pool like that of info analytics, which suggests that uh, your mama will do well in the Zengo communities, is a vote of confidence in your mama. I told you earlier that elections is about trust. You feel Bahamia hasn't delivered on the promises to the Zongo communities? The, the, the fact that Bahamia's disappointment of Ghanaians, his, his performance as a vice president manifested in a lot of disappointment. It's not legendary. I mean, even to the Zongo communities, because yes, let's look at the track record. The Zongo ministry was created, subsequently, a special funding dedicated to inner cities and Zongo communities. Now, uh, for the northern communities, it's in the form of the uh, special development initiative. These are three key. Um, flagship programs that the government has run targeted so, at, so, at these so, communities. So let's talk about Bohemia. Okay. Mm-hmm. They promised that all Zungo communities will have model schools. They didn't get that? Well, uh, do you know of one? I'm asking you. <laughs> <laughs> I should be asking you. <laughs> so so, so mm-hmm. this, is, this is somebody who went and stood on the platform and said that to Zungo communities. Why? He thought that uh, there was some inequality. I mean, between people living outside Zongos and people living in Zongos, and, and to bridge the inequality gap, you needed that infrastructure to ensure that you provided better educational facilities to the Zongos. So they applauded him. Uh, the Zongo communities do not have toilets. You remember? But we promised that they would build toilets. Oh, he did? Yeah, he did. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said within the first six months of their government, no community will lack water or toilet facilities on those things. I mean, it didn't happen. Happen. The, the, the biggest slump in Accra or in Ghana is the Abogoloshi. He went there and promised a lot of amenities to improve upon. I mean, you can add them to the Zongo community because they come from, and that, that's about the Zongo and, and Netherlands. So, Gomia actually is facing a deficit trust. And, and, and I'm not surprised that Info Analytics is, is suggesting that John Draman Mama will do well in the Zongo. Uh, if you take one big policy, uh, which has got to do with uh, free senior high school, for instance, the argument is the impact cannot even be estimated because it goes everywhere, even the inner cities, the Zongo communities. In fact, I recall uh, one of the gender ministries saying, now you don't have the Kai and people serving in homes of, of, of very, uh, the elite communities simply because of that. Uh, very life-saving policy of free senior high school. Don't you feel that, for instance, a free senior high school policy could compensate 
if indeed the, the president uh, or the vice president has been deficient in catering for the Zungu and inner city communities? I don't think the policy was targeted as, at um, uh, removing carriages or, right. or people in those areas mm -hmm. into schools and make, making sure that they, they serve the more privileged society. Mm -hmm. No, I don't think that was the intent of the policy. The intent of the policy was to grant access. To everyone. To everyone. Okay. But it includes and, the inner city and, and you know, zone yeah, communities, so that's right? what we have always Is said that, that not making up for, no, you know, the, the no, def deficiency no, as so you're, you're, you're pointing at, yes. You're looking at mm -hmm. non-discriminatory provisions. Right. Mm. But in, that, in, 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 in the introduction of policy, they've entrenched this discrimination. Right. Mm. What is happening, really, is that you and I, who have our children attending public secondary schools, are being subsidized. Okay, mm. when we should be paying more for our lesser fortunate brothers and sisters. Right. But we are, our children have to enjoy the same facilities with a I mean, less privileged society. And that is not social justice. Okay, and that's why we are saying that. And the Minister of Finance alluded to that. Mustafa Hamid, the CEO of uh, National the NPA, NPA mm. alluded to that. That look, people should understand that. If you are trying to create an even ground, you must look at the inequalities and balance them out. I see. You can't treat people who are differently circumstanced, I mean, equally. Okay, Alaji, before, before we go, what's the alternative of the NDC towards the inner cities and the Zongo communities? At least um, the president and the vice president have brought that constituency, as you're describing them, the 17th constituency up. And they will be topical in the 2024 elections. What's the NDC solution to you know, the challenges, the killer challenges these communities face? I don't know whether you read the 2020 manifesto, and I'm sure it will be captured in the 2024 manifesto. Mm. We're going to come out with an urban renewal policy. That look, our, now we're not growing mega cities. Mm -hmm. Accra population will expand and might contain people equal to, I mean, the population of many regions before or at the time of independence. Right. So uh, the, the pressure on infrastructure will, 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 will increase. Mm. Now those who lack infrastructure, like the lower, I mean the, the peripheral uh, uh, communities, right. will, will be heavily impacted upon. So for us, you look, how do you renew those communities? Infrastructure. Mm. Infrastructure will improve upon the decency of their lives. Now, infrastructure includes housing. Put housing. Put water. I don't think that you go to Agobolushi, you will want to buy water there and drink because you are afraid that the water might be contaminated. Right. So the people there need infrastructure in terms of provision of good water facilities. But there was an attempt by Kufo to move some of them and settle them because of the, the congestion over there. So NDC has a policy towards urban renewal and it is captured in the 2020 budget i mean manifesto it will be captured in the 2024 manifesto. And, and i'm grateful uh, that you've spent some uh, time with us uh, uh it's been a long time and i'm sure that uh, we'll be seeing you more often as we continue uh, the discourse into the 2024 election thank you so much uh, for spending some time with us and you're still with us here on the polls on the joint news channel when we get back uh, the trade minister is still in parliament making yet another attempt uh, to pass the controversial legislative instrument uh, which will possibly restrict import. Uh, we'll tell you about that when we get back. Please stay.
That's incredible. Bang on target. Your Superstation Love 99.5 FM in partnership with the brilliant minds behind your favorite cod series. Kiddity vs. Makola comes to your latest comedy masterpiece, Banana and Melon Movie. Meet Henry, a man on a do or die mission to win the hat of his lover, Afi. But Afi seems to have other plans. Are you an Yes, Afi. Oh, oh, Afi, you're lucky. I'm lucky. Yes, I'm looking for an hour. Starring the incredibly talented Louise Lamise, the fantastic Atadazi, and the lovely Isabella Etonal, Comedian Kweku 40, and many more. <laughs> Don't miss the grand premiere in Kumasi on December 2nd at the CCB Auditorium, KNUSD, and their two show times, 7 p.m. and 9 p.m. Tickets are available for just 60 Ghana CDs single and 100 Ghana CDs couple. Tickets are available at Front Desk of Love FM, Poku Trading Supermarket, Adum, IC. Cup KNUSD commercial area sponsors. Your day is never dull when you tune into Joy Prime. Wake up to Prime Morning on weekdays as Rosling, KMJ, and Asiedua kickstart your day with breakfast of issues. The entire explains Sakodia can promise at the Grammy absence. Stay informed with our news updates, sports coverage, all interlaced with captivating novella series. Sandwiching the thrilling telenovelas is our comprehensive news at 7. Unwind with Sports Zone, Mondays at 9 p.m., BMPS Show, Friday. Day at 9 p.m. and groove to the turn up general selections at 10 p.m. on weekdays. The weekend is packed with loads of excitement from kids' programs to captivating talk shows. Stay tuned for action packed movies from Monday to Sunday and many other exciting shows only on Joy Prime. Joy Prime, your ultimate experience. In partnership with Joy FM, Roverman Productions presents For Girls, The Spell. An original Ebo White play. Before we go, sister, there is something the Lord has put upon my heart for you. I think the Lord is leading me to you. Oh, brother. You know, you are like the clouds in me. Yes, brother. When you disappear, it's always a beautiful day for me. If the Lord could lead you, why didn't he lead you to a shop where they sell your drugs? Ah, sister, pray about it. I am sure the Lord will You know what? Right now, I need something only you can give what me. What is that, sister? Your departure. Venue, Bema Hall at Bema Camp. Dates, December 2nd, 3rd, 8th, 9th, and 10th. Time, first show on Friday at 7 p.m. Two shows on Saturday at 4 p.m. and 8 p.m. Three shows on Sunday at 1 p.m., 4 p.m., and 8 p.m. Rates, 150 Ghana cities. For tickets, dial star 365 star 535 hash. WhatsApp, 050-554-6010. Or visit all usual outlets. Sponsors, Gino and GCB Bank. And thanks for staying with us here on the Pulse on the Journey channel. Uh, let's stay on Parliament because the Trade Minister Katie Amon is making yet another attempt to pass this controversial legislative instrument uh, which will now restrict the importation of some 22 items minority in Parliament uh, on three separate occasions, block that uh, bill or legislative piece from passing. And of course, uh, Katie Hammond, uh, the minister, has been arguing that the passage 
uh, of uh, the bill is good, but the minority says it could breed corruption. Well, here's what Katie Hammond had to tell Joy News about this uh, imports restriction legislation and what government is seeking to achieve out of it. We are not. To the extent that we don't create farming in the country. How do you propose so, to do that? Analysis? Well, exactly. So you see the committee that has been put together, agriculture ministry, uh, ministry, how many of them? Um, you got a you copy have, of the ministry. You have the ministry of agriculture, you have the finance ministry, you have the GRA, you have the food and, uh, food and uh, whatever, uh, what called FDA. Yes. They, they are all there. Go to the page. They are all there. The, 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 the associations like so AGI. All of them. All of them. And so there is this committee that and monitors food production in the country. So it's not a simple question of yes, um, sitting down one afternoon and determine that you can get a certificate or permit or not. No, the ministry is responsible, particularly agri. Uh, we, there have been quite a lot of liaison between our ministry and agri ministry before we came out uh, with this. Um, we, we thought through. Um, if in the end uh, the committee through the agri ministry tells us that uh, the there's a deficit, the deficit between the production and consumption in the country is this much. So this much has to be imported. It will be allowed through. It's as simple as that. So you, what, what you're saying is you would allow imports yes. so far as it doesn't create shortage locally. Absolutely. And of course, so far as also doesn't flood uh, the, the, the system. So to the extent that there will be starvation in the country, we would ensure that the right quantity is allowed into the country. What we would not do, and repeatedly I'm making this point, is to simply get up and uh, arbitrarily suggest that well, we restricted the import of this, we have restricted. You might well say that the word uh, restriction is a misnomer. And uh, you, might, you might be right in saying that. Because it doesn't seem to me that uh, right from the word go, we're going to restrict the extent that you, you may be tempted to equate a restriction to banning, but that won't be entirely accurate. We will be restricting, not in the context of banning, but restricting in the context of keeping an eye on it and then making sure that at the same time uh, the production at home is beginning to match our consumption. At a point when there is a equilibrium somewhere, uh, then the system will be looking at whether there's a need to continue with the importation. Well, the Vehicle and Asset Dealers Association and Union of Ghana say the import restriction will only create a monopoly with the potential risk of breeding and employment. Joining us by Zoom now is Frank Tanley Kufiga, Executive Secretary for the Vehicle and Asset Dealers Union, uh, joining the conversation now. And, of course, many of us are expecting that the Trade Minister uh, will attempt yet again today to lay that uh, legislative piece um, there's no indication so far that he's shown up because uh, we're just uh, watching the live images from Parliament where, of course, uh, only the leadership appear to be present. Um, is that good news to you, knowing that at least the, the, the Trade Minister has not gone ahead to lay this before the House today again? Uh, and Kofi, we seem to be having some challenge uh, hearing you. If you could just uh, unmute uh, and then we, we see if that's clear. Me. Yes, loud and clear now. So the point about whether it's good news to you or not. Um, clearly, we've been, we've been watching keenly um, for now. We think that uh, until we get uh, conclusions on this or finality on this, 
uh, we are watching. We are yet to see whether Katie Hammond, uh, Honorable, can uh, be able to lay uh, this ally before Parliament and if it will allow it to pass. Uh, in fact, you are hoping to make yet another, uh, you know, plea and intervention today, even before he heads to uh, Parliament. And you issue, uh, uh, issued a statement pointing out in that statement that uh, this import restriction bill might lead to some sort of um, monopoly, which you're pointing out very clearly, breeding possibly corruption. And then there's also the issue about unemployment. How bad is this policy likely to affect your operations? This policy in its entirety to our, to our business is very bad. If uh, you can indulge me, I'll give you uh, a bit of a background right. from where we started. The listening to the Honorable Minister, respectively, he made the point that we, the uh, restrictions are not to ban okay, the importation of these uh, items. But if you, when the, uh, if, 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 if Ghanaians would know, in 2020, or remember, in 2020, the government introduced the ban on importation of uh, used vehicles, okay? We, 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 uh, we protested, we, we, we spoke with government, uh, and by the grace of God, they were able to suspend it. Some portions of it were suspended. Now, they moved from the Customs Amendment Act 2020 to try to use standards board, you know, sort of to create the standardization of these vehicles and sort of um, paint the picture that the vehicles that we bring into the country are not worthy or are not roadworthy or because of the damages, their risk to pedestrians and, and the roads. That also uh, fell flat. Now, if the Honorable Minister is telling us now, as vehicle and asset dealers or dealers in automobiles, that this is only a restriction, but somewhat not a, a means to ban uh, the importation of, of used vehicles. Uh, we don't see where that lies. Okay, uh, and, and I've put this question before uh, all of these six unions uh, and those of you within the automobile industry raising concerns about this airline. There's going to be a committee that will be set up uh, the regulation uh, all these airlines. You're clearly represented there, so you could make a case, isn't it? Where are we represented? Where in this are we represented? You're not? Not at all? We are represented. How are we represented? Prior to this, we were not called. Where there was no, uh, according to them, in their stakeholder engagement, we were represented. How are vehicle and asset dealers union represented there? We are the mother union. So where is vehicle and asset dealers union? How are we represented? We were, we were, we were not uh, uh, spoken to before this. We were not engaged before this. So how come uh, we'll be engaged after this? We want to understand the rationale behind these restrictions. Okay, if we had sat around the table to have a, a conversation around it, we would have known that, okay, the restriction would take a particular shape. Okay, and if you're going to get certification or you're going to get the, uh, what do you call it, the license to be able to import, it will fall within a particular category. So we can spell out who the real car dealers or importers in this country are and who is required or, or who qualifies to get this particular license. But if we don't have this or we've never engaged in this, how then can we say that we've been part of the process from the beginning or we are sure of being part of the process after the ELA has been passed? I see. I'm just reading your statement again. And, of course, it's occurring to me now that you're not entirely happy. And it's not just about the import restriction, but a number of activities going on in the automobile industry. And you say that this includes 
tariff issues and concerns that you have. It's as though you, you're just picking up your old battle with the trade ministry, isn't it? Yes, we've, we've engaged the trade ministry over, over the years, and most of our engagement came out uh, nothing. We didn't get anything out of it. We had quite about, if I'm, not, uh, if I'm right, about six engagements with the Ministry of Trade in respect to automobiles and then the Custom Amendment Act and the automotive policy and its fallout. We've tried engaging them, but nothing has come out, out of it. So we, have, we put all this together because to us, we think that it is still another plan to sort of restrict or sort of ban the importation of, uh, of used vehicles into this country to sort of give the entire market to the assemblies. Mm. The question is, do they have the capacity to supply the markets of the 100,000 vehicles we need yearly? Do they have the capacity? Mm. They do not have the capacity. Okay, but in, the, in, the, in one aspect of the Custom Amendment Act, they state that in their inability to assemble the required number of vehicles to meet the market, they have the authority from the ministry to import fully uh, assembled vehicles into the country. So what are we doing? We are already importing full vehicles or completed vehicles or uh, not, not breakdown or semi-breakdown uh, vehicles into the country. So why do you yeah, give the entire... But, 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 but I guess the, this is where the opportunity lies, isn't it? The, the fact that there's even a shortfall, as you're pointing to, and the Ministry of Trade and Industry explains that it's not an outright ban on importation. Perhaps your members might be allowed to bring in some vehicles, except that you might not do that as you used to. So there's, there's still opportunity, isn't it? You see, um, especially we, we've said this time with our number that we are not against the airline for some commodities. But to us, this is the opportunity for government to completely shut our business down. We don't think we'll be treated fairly. That is why we have stated the issue of corruption or corruption-related activities after this airline is passed. Because we know very well that even as we speak now, some agencies are not happy about the importation of these vehicles because they think now we are a threat to the manufacturers. They think we are a threat to the sales of the manufacturers. They think we being in the market will mean that their business will not grow. And that is going to sort of uh, dump in investor confidence. And then going forward, it will give the country a negative uh, what do you call it, Mark, when it comes to uh, uh, investing into the country. So we don't see this going in the long run to help us in any way. Talk less of queuing at the Ministry of Trade yeah. to get licenses to import into this country. Mm. We don't think it's going gonna, it's gonna to help okay. us. Okay, so, let, so let, let's... We against it. Yeah, so, so let's look at the way forward now and, and what you're likely to do as a union. Uh, at least the minister has not laid that, so you have uh, some few more days to make an intervention. Tomorrow being a holiday, you have Monday also there. What's your next line of intervention, uh, at least? Uh, what, what do you intend to do, knowing that the speaker has now given the green light to the minister to act? You know, after the minister was unsuccessful with laying the bill, we've tried everything possible to try and reach out to the ministry so that we can have a conversation around this. That has... Uh, has not uh, come out successful. Okay, so we are still we are still putting our calls through. We are still uh, reaching out to uh, people at the ministry, the directors, the assistant, and all that. But still, we've not been able to uh, get in touch with anybody so far 
to be able to send our grievances across. So if the minister is not able to lay it today, I think it's another opportunity for us to still go back and engage them or find ways and means to try and engage them so that we can see if there will be some uh, definitions as to where we stand and then what the licensing uh, regime that they're putting in place will be, who it will affect, and then the benefits we can get out of it. Uh, let's wrap up uh, on, on the issue about cost, because that's what many of us are concerned about, what this would mean to the average uh, consumer, the average person who wants to buy a vehicle from uh, your group. Is that signifying an increase? Perhaps government says they're dealing uh, with this um, ally simply because it would give more power to the Ghana city against the U.S. dollar. Now we're restricting. You say there might be a shortfall. So a shortfall will mean definitely that prices may go up. Clearly, a shortfall would mean that uh, various dealers will, will hold and then they'll increase prices uh, of these vehicles because as it stands now, dealers are not selling. As it stands now, people are reluctant to sell because they don't know their position after a week or two. They don't know after if the bill is laid, mm-hmm. it will pass or it will not pass. So they are creating, uh, uh, what do you call it, uh, an intentional uh, what, uh, sale shortfall so that we will, we will uh, uh, sort of uh, decide as to how we will release the vehicles into the market or hold it completely. Okay, as it stands right now, we are still indecisive as to what to do in respect to the goods we have at the port. We are indecisive as to what we, uh, we are going to do with the goods we have in our garage. We are still meeting, we are still deliberating amongst ourselves as a union, and then we'll come out with the final position on this. But the, uh, what do you call it? Our consumers should know that clearly the prices of vehicles or motor vehicles, the ones that fall within the category, will go up dramatically. Anyway, uh, such a bad time for those who want to buy new vehicles, perhaps for Christmas. Uh, but I'm grateful. Uh, Frank, yes, Frank, you, you just want to land on that point briefly? Yes, it affects uh, all the stakeholders within the value chain, because mm. if we are no longer importing vehicles, honestly speaking, the automobile mechanic has no business. The Abusuka Spurpass guys don't, do not have any business, because I don't see the reason to go to Abusuka to go and buy any Spurpass to fix any vehicle. Or auto mechanics, we have electricians, we have key programmers, we have sprayers, we have panel beaters or uh, body works uh, guys, and then all these guys. So the question is that, has the ministry thought of the fallout, the implication, the replication, the rippling effect of this particular restriction on other sectors or other dependents on automotive automobile market? Have they have they thought of it uh, clearly, and have they prepared well? And hmm. if they have prepared, what plan do they have for us? I see. The over three thousand automobile dealers and the over fifteen thousand dependents on our market. What is going to happen to them? Uh, but, but very interesting questions. And so, once more, your appeal to government is? Our appeal to government is to look through, to think through this, if possible, they should reverse it, or they shouldn't lay it at all. They mm. should come, let's have a conversation, let's define it, and once it fits the situation, the economic situation we have now in the country, clearly, we will... Uh, we will back it. But for now, no, Ghana is not ready. Ghana is not prepared for such restrictions. It is bad. 
Anyway, uh, it's, a, it's such a pleasure speaking to you, Frank, uh, and we wait to see what the decision of the Trade and Industry Ministry will be on this matter. But as it stands now, the uh, Speaker of Parliament has given the green light to the Minister. We'll await what the outcome uh, of that will be. And we have our men still in Parliament monitoring uh, today's proceedings for us. I will bring you up to speed uh, on that. But let's uh, veer into agriculture now, because uh, Vice President Dr. Mahmoud Bamiya is... Uh, reiterating advocacy for a data and technology driven agricultural sector uh, he opines that the days were of course hoes and cutlasses were used for farming and uh, over and technology has evolved a vice president who was speaking at the grand opening ceremony of the cerebral institute of agribusiness and skills development an initiative by the 2022 best farmer nanayao sapon cerebral encouraged farmers to leverage on the emerging technology of artificial intelligence to enhance smart agriculture in conformity with industrial revolution. Agriculture has become about science and data. But we should not leave agricultural technology and the application of science and data only to the advanced countries. In fact, application of science and data and technology is more important for the poor countries, for the developing countries. So let us not have the mindset that the science of data, when you talk about smart agriculture or precision agriculture or predictive agriculture, that should not be left for the advanced economies. We should be doing it here in the developing countries. And it is not, it is not something we should shy away from because it is possible for us to do it here. So when we talk about big data, the use of drones in agriculture, the use of artificial intelligence, satellite data to allow us to look at weather and how it affects farming, to look at soil suitability, to look at water availability. All of that is very, very pertinent to today's agriculture. If we apply this science and data and technology to our agriculture, and focus on commercial, that is large-scale, me mechanized, and technology-driven agriculture, you will see that the productivity of the agri-sector will increase many-fold. And that is where Ghana ought to be going. And that is where we are going to drive agriculture. And therefore, I really want to thank our national best farmer, Nanayao Sapon the first, for this initiative, because it is very clear that he is thinking about imparting skills and technology to farmers. That is where it's going, and so he's ahead of the curve. And so we are looking. Wendy's Peppermint Frosty and Frosty Cream Cold Brew make the perfect gift for anyone in your life. Especially for you. Yeah, this year you're sitting on your own lap and getting yourself what you want. Finally. 
And now, every day this season, unlock 20% off your total when you get any small, medium, or large Frosty in the Wendy's app. So order something from your own wish list this year. Limited time only. Participating U.S. Wendy's with app offer and registration. Applies to menu items only. Taxes and fees excluded. Hello, saver. Whether you're saving for that trip to the tropics or saving for an emergency, now is the time to take advantage of Wells Fargo's savings options. Wells Fargo offers savings accounts that can help you save towards your goals. So, what are you saving for? Visit a Wells Fargo branch or wellsfargo.com backslash save to open a savings account today. Wells Fargo Bank, N.A., member FDIC. At here in, in this center, having a, a hall dedicated to digitalization in the agricultural sector. Thank you so much. This is very forward thinking. This is where Ghana ought to be going. And I can assure you that you will get support to drive this agenda. Vice President Dr. Mahmoud Baumia there. And now to the Join uh, Joy Clean Ghana campaign. Uh, uh, we understand that it's yielding positive uh, behavioral changes as 8 out of 10 uh, persons within the Accra metropolis have now changed their approach to sanitation in their communities. This was contained in a survey conducted by the Accra Metropolitan Assembly into the impact of the Joy Clean Ghana campaign over a two-year period. There's more in the following report. The Joy Clean Ghana campaign began with the goal to name and shame environmental health and sanitation offenders on camera to serve as deterrent whilst promoting good hygiene practices of environmental health and sanitation within the Accra metropolis. The Accra Metropolitan Assembly has quickened its steps to introduce star rating systems to improve sanitary conditions. Just like hotels receive stars, the AMA has commenced the assessment of public toilet facilities with a star rating system. That was one of the episodes where the AMA was on inspection tour of some public toilet facilities. After four years of airing the Joy Clean Ghana campaign, the AMA has conducted a research into its impact on the audience. The survey was done in three sub-metros called clusters of the AMA. 250 respondents were selected from each of the three sub-metros for the study. Also, 30 respondents each from the 10 regions, making 300, were also interviewed, making a total of 1,050 respondents. The regions include Ashanti, Northern, Upper West, Central, Volta, Bono Ahafo, Western, Upper East, and Eastern region. One may ask, how many of the respondents followed the Clean Ghana campaign? The study found that 615 people followed the Joy Clean Ghana campaign on a regular basis with 247 following when they were around. Another 109 persons said they followed it twice a week and 79 persons said they followed it once in a while. The study found that 83% of the respondents have had a change in behavior after the exercises. 83% of the respondents said they had had a change in behavior after following the Joy Clean Ghana exercises, 8% said there had not been any change and 9% of the respondents could not tell. Going deeper into the findings, 50% of the respondents said they are very careful about food safety now. 
24% said they've stopped buying food from outside. 18% also said they have started doing the right things, with 8% of the respondents saying they have stopped selling in dirty environments. The report concludes that a Joy Clean Ghana campaign brought life into the environmental health awareness in Ghana. We are doing this, like I keep saying, as a continuous improvement measure. They will not be worried. It will rather put the operator and the cleaners on their toes, and it also gives some comfort to the user. So it's a win-win situation. This report serves as a background for the Joy Clean Ghana campaign to expand into other areas in the country. The next phase of the exercise will see us coming to a place closer to you. For Joy News, Samuel Kojobrace, Accra. And indeed, we are independent, fearless and credible. That's what we stand for. This uh, has been the polls on the Joy News channel. There's more coming your way, including Let's Talk Showbiz. It's coming up right after this. Thanks for your company. I'm Lester Sugan. We can, of course, uh, get you more stories if you do want them. Just log on to myjoyonline.com. Lots of updates uh, there for you. Thanks for your time. Bye-bye.